Listen to WGN Radio's newest podcast, Behind the Badge, Illinois, hosted by David Hochberg. Behind the Badge, Illinois, views current events through the eyes of Illinois law enforcement leaders. Tune in. Visit WGNRadio.com slash Behind the Badge. WGN, Don Jackson Blattner's regular guest on this show. If you are listening to me now, well, you are. Uh, just remember, Thursdays around 1130, uh, this delightful lady comes on. She's the author, the registered dietitian, the nutritionist, the reason the Cubs won the World Series, singularly attributable to her. DonJacksonBlattner.com is the website. Don, welcome back to the show. Hey, well, thanks for having me. Happy March. Uh, we are in a new month. Yes, we are. Okay. So, I mean, a new month is always a new opportunity to be like, shake up your habits a little bit. You well, know what I mean? Okay. Well, that's where we're going with that, and I like that. Okay. Out of okay, the game, good. What do you make of microwave popcorn? Go. Oh, actually, the bag is worse than the popcorn oftentimes. And depending on what flavor you get, like if it's super buttery and oily, uh, the popcorn can also be bad news. So I, I am really a fan of air pop popcorn over microwave popcorn. Uh, for both the bag reasons and for the topper reasons. What do you mean the bag? I don't eat the bag. What's the problem with the bag? Uh, oh, boy. This is a tricky thing, is that many companies are still, not all, but many companies are still using bags that when you put it in the microwave, there is a potential um, very low levels. It's still supposedly safe, but very low levels of compounds that get onto the popcorn. Um, so the, the idea is, is if it's something you're doing every single day, you may want to consider uh, air popping a huge batch for your week uh, and doing it that way. Mm. It just seems to me like it's so delicious and it feels pretty salty. Uh, I don't know. I'm just suspicious of anything that tastes good anymore, Don. <laughs> Well, I'll tell you, if you air pop it, and I'm not sure if you've ever had an air popper, but it is a delight. I recently bought one, okay, and I forgot how fun it is to put the little kernels in there, and it all pops out like a party. I mean, it is great. And you can put olive oil on there so that it still feels greasy and fabulous. You can put, actually, sea salt on it, but not that much. Black uh, pepper is great on there. Drizzling vinegar on there is actually delicious. Uh, Parmesan cheese and oregano for like pizza popcorn, cinnamon on there for like a little bit of a sweet treat. I mean, you can do so much with a plain base. You don't have to just eat it plain. You can jazz it up. And then when you're in control of all of those ingredients, you're able to really, um, you know, get extra nutrition. But I will say in general, why popcorn is, I say it's a great snack food, especially if, you know, you're paying attention to how it's made and the toppings. Because it's naturally a whole grain, and that is absolutely what we miss. Americans are the worst at eating whole grains. We, we don't eat anywhere near the amount we should. Um, we eat a lot of refined white grains. Um, so popcorn is a great snack because it's whole grain. And there's actually research that shows that popcorn is uh, pretty high in certain antioxidants. So it is a great snack when done well. I'm going to ask you about best workout foods in a minute. Best workout foods. Boy, that's a good idea. But just a couple questions from listeners last week. 312-981-7200. You've got a question about diet, nutrition, food, health. This is what Don does. I love the idea of drizzling a little olive oil on my popcorn rather than butter. Uh, that would give my salt something to adhere to or my Parmesan cheese or whatever I'm sprinkling on there. But I, I think I'm open to that suggestion, Don. I love it. 
this is why I love that we chat is because every so often, yes, you will get a hold of one of these ideas and it is a game changer. And really, these, all these little small tweaks that we make in our lives do add up. It does actually matter. Well, uh, so the salt, though, uh, we've got some salt shakers at home that are the, the, the coarser grain and it says sea salt. Like that's better than regular salt. Isn't salt salt? So is there a good kind or a worse kind of salt? Okay, so a sea salt technically has a little bit more minerals to it. So beyond the sodium piece, it'll have some other like calcium, magnesium, manganese, copper, um, which is great. However, you're not supposed to be using that much salt to get all these extra minerals in there. So when you're only using a little, you can really use any kind you like. However, and because, you know, watching sodium, they all have the same amount of sodium per weight. But if you're using a big, huge, coarse salt and you use, you know, a teaspoon of it, for example, there's not as much salt in there as when you're using that very fine salt, a teaspoon of that very fine salt. There's so much in that teaspoon. So technically, like teaspoon for teaspoon, the bigger salt has less sodium because you're really not eating as much of it. Um, in the end, what I always say to people um, is that if you are somebody who loves salty taste, just start slowly going back in how much salt you're using, and your taste buds will acclimate like magic to a lower salt version. But like you said, salt is salt mostly. Uh, the only other last thing to say here is um, be aware of iodized salt versus not iodized salt. So most salt is iodized, but if you start doing these, um, you know, sea salt, it might not have iodine, and we need iodine, actually. So there's a lot of healthy people who've done the salt swap into sea salt without iodine, um, and I say, hey, watch out, we do need iodine. So either get iodized sea salt or get iodine in other places like seaweed, like your nori seaweed uh, in sushi. We get this question all the time. Ask Dawn if vegetables lose nutritional value when you cook them. Okay, uh, a little bit, yes. Uh, When you're cooking vegetables, a little bit of the water-soluble vitamins are lost, like, for example, vitamin C. So that's not great. However, some vegetables, when you cook them in different ways, like tomatoes cooked with a little olive oil, it actually makes them more nutritious. So in general, a good rule of thumb is that however you eat vegetables is better than not eating them. So whether you cook them or they're raw, it's always better than not eating them. But I like to really try and get like a 50-50 mix in my week. 50% of the time trying to eat raw vegetables, 50% of the time trying to eat cooked vegetables so that I get a mix of all different kinds of uh, nutrients. 309, is exercise the best way to lose belly fat on a flexitarian diet, or for that matter, on any diet? Do you work on that, like belly fat? What am I going to do about that? Okay, here is the biggest, this, I mean, you better take a seat, everybody, for this one. Is exercise is not the best weight loss tool. Even Talking belly fat or not belly fat, exercise is phenomenal for stamina, for strength, for stress relief, for better sleep, for more confidence. It is great for balancing blood sugars. Exercise does everything. But when it comes to weight, exercise is known more as a weight maintenance tool than an actual weight loss tool. That 80% of weight, including belly fat, is your diet. So exercise is important, and you need to do at least 150 minutes of it every single week. Uh, but an, Or plus, or beyond, or more. 
Um, and when it comes to diet, is really looking at the amount and type of carbs is typically where an American would start when they want to shift belly fat. And that is because we are notorious for overeating uh, pastas and breads and rices, so we eat too much of it, and we tend to not eat the whole grain version. So that's where I usually start with anybody. But, of course, you can never spot, you know, treat anything that when you're changing your diet, you're going to change everywhere in your body, not just uh, belly. But it does seem to uh, accumulate in different places on different people, doesn't it? And I guess that's Uh, just the luck of the draw, huh? Uh, depending on genetics, but also a lot of times uh, it is uh, like women in particular will hold it lower in their body. And then when they hit menopause and they start having more testosterone, um, they start holding it more like a man in more in their midsection because it is a testosterone estrogen thing where your weight is being held and it's being shifted. But in general, no matter where it is, you know, you've got to look at your, um, you know, your diet as opposed to something specific that's going to spot treat one particular area. Well, I was looking in the mirror the other day and thought, oh, that's new. And it was the skin that now hangs over my trousers. And so I thought, well, I'm going to do like a thousand sit-ups and beat that bad boy back. Um, is that a good strategy? Okay, exercise is very similar to food, is that when you're doing exercise, your whole body will respond rather than just a particular area, even if you're trying to really focus on that area. However, visually, if you are building muscle in one particular area, it may look more toned, um, and it may absolutely help the look of that area. So, uh, you know, I think it is great to do full body exercises. Um, even when we're just talking about belly fat. But, yeah, if you want to throw in some strength training for one particular area, it may help the, the aesthetics a bit. That's interesting. So your body will distribute the weight loss evenly, regardless of the body part that you are exercising. Yes, this is the, this is the case. You know, you see it all the time. It's like you can't spot reduce, and that is like, uh, really the, the truth of the matter is that, you know, healthy exercise and healthy eating – is a whole body affair. And so when you change something, you know, yes, your whole body will respond. But that's good to know because, say, my knees are hurting, and so I can't ride the treadmill or jog or do whatever it is I want to do, and so now I'm going to do some upper body exercise or whatever. And I know that's not a great weight loss scheme, but to the degree that I'm burning calories, uh, I'm not going to just burn the calories in my arms and shoulders, say. This will be good for my whole body, you said, right, Don? Yes. Absolutely. So anytime you're exercising, even if it's just one part of your body, it is benefiting your whole body. Now, will it make your arms look stronger than your legs if you're only, uh, you know, uh, weightlifting with your arms? Of course. It, yeah, that's yeah. where you're building actual muscle. But any muscle on your body is a metabolic fireplace. It just is an active, burning, fabulous tissue. So the more muscle we have, this is so key as we age. Muscle is our longevity organ. You want to live a long, fabulous life. All your focus, all your energy in being fit and building muscle and eating so that you are fueling uh, that uh, muscle building is so key. Okay. Uh, 312-981-7200. We take your calls, questions, your text messages to Dawn. Dawn Jackson Blattner, author, registered dietitian nutritionist, donjacksonblattner.com on Instagram, DJ Blattner. You ready for more questions, Don? I love them. I love them. Give me short answers to these, and then we'll talk about workout food. What's the best vegetables to give my 12-year-old son? Oh, my gosh. It's like trying to pick your favorite kid. You can't pick a favorite vegetable. 
Variety is the absolute most important thing when it comes to produce. You have to have a wide variety. But if I am going to tell you, the top two are probably in the uh, ballpark of leafy greens. So anything from arugula to spinach to kale to watercress and cruciferous vegetables. Cruciferous vegetables are cauliflower, broccoli, Brussels sprouts. Uh, those are really always on the top of the list. But really, all vegetables are good, even celery. Kosher salt. Does that matter at all when it's kosher? Uh, no, that is more of a preference rather than a nutrition shift. Um, but oftentimes that's so big, you know, big crystals, uh, yeah. that, again, if you're scooping out a teaspoon of that, there's, there's going to be less sodium technically in that teaspoon because it's so big. But it is still, uh, you know, high sodium. What does she think about taking carb blockers as a supplement? Uh, I am not a fan of carb blockers. I am a real big fan of behavior uh, change. So the idea of, hey, America, we eat way too many carbs. You don't have to cut them out completely and block them. You just have to eat a little bit less and trying to upgrade the quality at least 50% of the time. Um, But it is a smart idea, you know, even though, uh, a lot of times people are like, you know, is a, a low-carb diet does seem like, you know, a fad. Well, considering that we're just overeating all of these starchy foods like mm-hmm. breads and pastas and rices, it really is a good first place to cut down, but you don't have to cut out or take supplements to do this. Story in the New Yorker about this drug for diabetics that's been showed to be a good appetite suppressant. Uh, I suppose you feel the same way about that then, huh? Well, hey, here's the thing. Uh, There are medications for diseases. And if you are someone who is suffering from obesity as a disease and you have talked to your medical provider and they believe this is a tool to use in your toolkit in addition to exercise and changing your diet, which is how all the research is done, you're exercising, you're changing your diet, and you're putting this on board, if it's medically necessary, hey, it's a great tool for people. But here's what nobody is talking about. I just did an interview on this. Um, nobody's talking about this is a lifelong drug. This is not some sort of quick fix. Oh. The minute you start taking it uh, is when you are going to notice a change in appetite for many, many people. And once you go off of it, your appetite will come back. It is a drug that is meant to be long-term use and not a quick fix for people who truly are suffering from a disease where they need uh, adjunct therapy. They need something in addition to what they're already doing. Um, the big thing is uh, the research shows that about two-thirds of people, once they uh, get off the medication, have gained all of their weight back, um, if not more. Wow. John, please ask the brilliant dietitian that would be you, about, oh, I love that. about hummus. I'm addicted to hummus with sweet peppers. Is this a great snack? It is a great snack. Um, I'll tell you, hummus uh, is made from chickpeas. It's made from tahini, which is sesame seeds. It's made from olive oil. Uh, It is a wonderful dip for vegetables. So I love that snack. Anything that you can do to eat more vegetables as a snack is always going to be fantastic for your health, and in particular hummus. Being, of course, a Mediterranean food, and we know that the Mediterranean diet is always so hot, um, it's, it's a great option. So you wrote about best workout foods. What does that even mean? Oh, well, you know what? I get asked a lot about how can I have more energy during exercise? You know, how can I feel like less sore or prevent injury? Um, you know, how can I really make sure that I'm eating so that all the work I'm doing at the gym actually builds muscle 
and stamina for me. Because I'll tell you, food, uh, if you're eating the right thing, can really fuel your exercise great. And i got to say, exercise is just, again, it's such a key thing for, I mean, mood and confidence and disease prevention. It's really everything. Um, so the foods you eat can either make or break, really, your exercise routine. So I oftentimes tell people, you know, they say, should I eat before a workout? And if there's some people who really don't like to eat before a workout. And so as long as you are well hydrated and you do not feel weak or you don't feel low energy, it's fine if you don't want to eat before a workout. If it's super early, you don't feel like it. But if you're somebody who does better workouts with a snack, uh, eating a small snack before you work out can be something like apple slices and some peanuts or some orange slices and uh, a little bit of natural jerky, or throw some berries on a yogurt. The closer you get to a workout, the less food you actually want to eat so that it's not actually weighing you down. So having a little produce and a little protein before a workout for people who love uh, to work out uh, not on an empty stomach is uh, the first place to start. Um, The second place to start is you do not need some sort of special recovery meal like a lot of people are like i just worked out for you know half hour and i know i need like this you know workout shake in addition to my lunch or in addition to my breakfast and really when we're talking about just your average everyday people you know exercising for an hour or less uh you don't need any sort of special concoctions just eat a regular meal that has carbs to refuel your cells protein to build and repair your muscle produce and fat for yourself. So you're eating balanced meals instead of some sort of special sports thing. So those are really, I get a lot of questions of what to eat before and after workouts for the best results. And, and like I say, most of the time, the idea is, is that you don't need some kind of huge snack and you don't need some kind of special meal. Um, you just sort of throw exercise into what, you know, what you're already doing and using breakfast as your recovery meal or lunch. Um, and then the final thing on this really is Uh, most of the time, the number one mistake I see with people and their nutrition and their workout is that they are dehydrated, that they are working out to begin with in a dehydrated state, and you will never be able to push yourself long enough or hard enough if you go in dehydrated. And even if you're well hydrated and you're not drinking during a workout, which I was just doing my workout this morning, I noticed there's so many people in my classes that are not drinking water during a workout. This is huge. You want to push longer. You want to push harder. You want to get better results. All you need to do is drink more water. Uh, and I'll tell you, a lot of times uh, electrolytes in water can actually help you if you are struggling when you wake up in the morning and you feel dehydrated and, you know, you drink water and right. it washes around your stomach. Um, electrolytes, you can buy electrolyte tabs or you can do something as simple as coconut water with a pinch of salt. Just, and we're not talking about you don't have to chug a huge amount, even just eight ounces. Um, will give you potassium and sodium, which are electrolytes, to help the water get into your cells, and then you can start drinking your water again and stay hydrated before and during workout. And I say, here's what I have to say. All you have to do is test it out. Test it out once and say, if I'm more committed to being hydrated before and during a workout, am I able to go longer and harder? Yeah. And I will guarantee you, you will, the answer will be yes. But test it for yourself. That's Don Jackson Blattner. We don't like her. DonJacksonBlattner.com <laughs> is the website. We love her. DJ Blattner on Instagram. And by the way, that article that she was talking about, or I referenced, Best Workout Foods, she put up a couple of years ago. But if you go to her site, you can find stuff like this. DonJacksonBlattner.com. Will you join us next Thursday, Don? 
I love it. This is my favorite time of the week. Ours too. And if we didn't get to your questions today, listen next Thursday at 1130.